You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. We're here at uh, St. Paul's Newman Center outside of Crux Coffee inside the Newman Center on the corner of 12th and University. Um, we're here for another interview. We have the Focus Missionaries here at NDSU. We have two of them, Fabiola and Aaron, who are going to be on here to talk about evangelization and um, just their work they're doing here at NDSU. So, yeah, uh, Fabiola, Aaron, you want to introduce yourselves a little bit? Let us know a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so my name is Fabiola. I'm one of the Focus Missionaries here. This is my first year at NDSU. I am originally from California and currently find myself in Fargo. <laughs> so it's been How do you like the weather so far, though? Oh, I love it. <laughs> I but really do. Snow, snow wasn't a thing that you saw often, was it? No, I never had a white Easter <laughs> or a white Christmas. So. My, kids, my kids jokingly call it Creaster <laughs> because it's uh, when there's snow on the ground for Easter. But Just wait until they get to the 4th of July and there's still snow. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> then that might be too much for me. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's been great. I love it here. Yeah, my name is Aaron Filson. I'm in my fourth year, my wife and I, with Focus. Uh, previous to being here in Fargo, three years ago we were out in uh, eastern Washington, right outside of Spokane. But we are both from southern Minnesota, went to school in Mankato, and originally from Rochester. Nice, nice. So what drew you guys to Focus, to become a missionary, to uh, kind of take up that call? Because neither of you went to school for uh, theology or <laughs> philosophy or evangelization. Um, what, what would that discernment look like? I think just seeing that there's one Focus had a huge impact in my life. Uh, it was K-12 through Catholic schools and never missed Sunday Mass growing up, but I had no idea about the beauty or the truth of the faith of, of the person of Jesus uh, until a turning point in college and that turning point came in large part due to a focused missionary uh, and then after yeah many profound experiences on retreat and at conference and understanding the intellectual component but also just having these, these moments in prayer uh, I began to realize that the critical need that every Catholic has to evangelize and that like that, that kind of surpassed every other need that it was seeking to provide a solution to, to uh, in college. Yeah. What about you, Fabiola? Yeah. I think for me, really like the idea that Jesus really calls you sometimes, even when you're not expecting it, is very true for my story. Focus is not on my radar. But, you know, when he calls, he calls. And we have to just answer. So, yeah, throughout my time in college, I just had beautiful experience with Focus missionaries who showed me truth, beauty, and goodness, and that I was made for something, that my life had purpose, and through them I was able to live a life, start living a life of virtue and holiness. Um, but during that time, it took me just living from a place of like personal faith with God to then being a place where I was convicted that this joy, this truth that I had found had to be shared. And so during that time that the Lord was stirring those things in my heart, then focus came along and it just made sense. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, at the Newman Center, for sure, I think we see a lot of students come in and they just don't have that that experience with Christ and mm -hmm. um, they don't know that they have that desire but then uh, a focused missionary like you guys might come up and you know share a little bit about the gospel share a little, little bit about we, what we're doing and that that spark that's inside them for this desire to have a relationship with Jesus um, 
it just comes up and uh, mm -hmm. yeah we see it a lot in the, the hearts here especially to the students who have no idea what the Newman Center is about or what they do here but mm -hmm. Focus Missionaries I think you guys are a big part of that in your evangelization so um, yeah can you talk a little bit about what evangelization is and what, what exactly um, that part of your job is yeah I mean that's it's a, it's a big question <laughs> It's not only our job as, as people that work for the church or yeah. working this full time, but everyone that's baptized, every Catholic that there there is, is it's everyone's job. There's no one, no escaping this the need for evangelization. What it is is it's sharing uh, the the truth of who people are and the truth of who God is and the truth of who we are is that we're children uh, of our heavenly Father and the truth of who God is is that He sent His only Son to uh, save us from our sin and to redeem us and call us back by name. And he established the, the church and gives us the sacraments and the magisterium and the scriptures uh, and fellowship and, and other believers to, to aid in this journey back home, back to the Father. Mm -hmm. So I think just retelling this ancient truth in a new way, in a fresh way, in a daily way yeah, and it, I mean, would you say when you encounter students who hear this message, right, that you just articulated very simply, very well, uh, is there a change that you notice within them? Absolutely. I mean, I, could, I, I know it because it's happened to myself, and, and we, we see it in the, the sheer numbers. People, I think we've broken so many numbers here this year, and it, in large, it's definitely due to the building in this beautiful Newman Center, but we're over... 400 Bible study participants on the year and and so many other uh, phenomenal things. 13 people have applied to be focused missionaries out of here. A uh, handful of seminarians again this year. And it's people are asking, well, what are we doing? It's like, well, one, it's we're, we're just being faithful. We're praying. We're trying to fast. And, and we're sharing the same truth that the church has always shared. We're just sharing it in, in a real way, in a personal way. Yeah, and it's it's the good news, right? Like the gospel mm -hmm. is good news. We just celebrated Easter. It's the octave of Easter, so we're still in that celebration of Easter every day. So a reminder, make sure that you feast again today. It's not over. Mm -hmm. um, but it is good news, right? The, the encounter with the risen Christ. I, you know, in reading Pope Benedict's writings especially, I would just come across this appeal, this exhortation to encounter the risen Christ. And I think as I watch each of, each of you and your whole team and even our student missionaries that we're training and, and sending out on this campus to do this work, uh, when, when we go out and we preach this good news, uh, it's really trying to facilitate an encounter, right? W would you say that we, we are trying to get people to uh, believe in an idea or encounter a person? What would you say, Fabiola? I would say there, we're just going over the joy of the gospel uh, by Pope Francis and as a team for formation. And Pope Francis kind of talks about this where the idea that realities actually take precedence over just ideas because right. ideas can just stay in this place where they're not actions, whereas living from a truth, really from living from a reality, that will just propel you to act. Therefore, I think it's more so, yes, living from a truth, but it also does go with that personal encounter, personal relationship with these students because the Lord made us to understand these commandments, these truths, um, 
these uh, rules of the church right. in the context of love. If they do not have that personal encounter with Christ, if we ourselves do not have that personal encounter with Christ, the rules would be dead to us. They won't make sense. And so that they need that context of love. They need that personal encounter along with the truths. Yeah, because Jesus himself came not to, you know, abolish love, but to fulfill it in mm. his person. And so when we encounter him, the risen Christ, and then conform ourselves to him mm -hmm. and the way that he has set out before us, uh, then I think that's where the transformation happens. Mm -hmm. So how do people do that? How do people encounter him? I, I want to echo what Fabio was just saying there. It's rules without a relationship lead to rebellion. And I think that's why we've seen so many, you know, the millions upon millions of people in America leaving their, their Catholic heritage uh, because they have this some level of an intellectual knowledge, whether they went to Catholic schools or they went to church growing up, but they don't have, they never connected in their heart. They don't know the, the beauty, the necessity of a personal relationship with, with Jesus. Um, and it's, it's, again, it's not about a program or a book or a video for people to watch. It's about introducing someone to the person of Jesus. And I think how you introduce someone to people is by bringing them there, by, by being human with them, by putting down your phone and, and challenging them to come with you uh, and, and join you in prayer, come with you back to confession, come with you to Mass, and then walking with them after they come. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know in my own, own story and experience, it, it, I needed that uh, you know, personal relationship with another Christian to help me get back to the Sacrament of, of Reconciliation because it was too daunting. I just was overwhelmed by that notion. Uh, but because of the encouragement of another person and walking with me and literally standing in line with me at that critical mm -hmm. moment, uh, my whole life was changed. Mm -hmm. Because once the grace of that sacrament comes into play, everything changes. And, and I think that's maybe one way that we can help draw people is getting them to encounter the sacraments. That Jesus is really present there. His grace is really active in that spot. And and from there, I mean, lives get changed. Mm -hmm. Like we get to, in some ways, stand back at that point, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. I think bringing people to that as well, giving them those invitations and trusting and knowing that the Lord will do the rest. Right. But what we have to do is make those invitations, bring them to the sacraments. Like the Lord will be the one that changes their hearts. We just have to lead them in a way to that well, to the water. That's yeah. kind of Matt was saying. Um, yeah, just bring the students to that. But yeah, also it's a, it's, it's a disposition of the heart as well once they do get there. Once you bring them to prayer, once you bring them to Mass, their like, heart starts to change. Within that transformation of the heart is when they become more open, more receptive to the truths of the faith and the truth that we're trying to convey. Yeah, and, and some, some of the uh, students that we encounter have some some pretty amazing stories like they're not necessarily coming from great whole catholic families there's some broken situations there's some mm -hmm. some pretty incredible things coming out of that mm -hmm. um, any any you know briefly before we hit break uh any that stick out in your guys's mind um just encounters you've seen where a student's been so transformed Jeez, yeah i think <laughs> some of these guys i get to work with on the football team um and the amount of influence they're under to believe and to perform and to do certain things uh but their audacity to take a stand for christ mm -hmm. um yeah especially at a program like ndsu that's really reputable and they're they're playing for national championships every year and to try to make the nfl but for them to take a stand for their faith i mean it, it's a testament to 
com- the power of community. Yeah, really is. yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, we're coming up on our next break, and when we return, we're going to dig a little bit more into how you, as the listener, can practice evangelization in your daily life. Because, as Aaron mentioned, uh, this is a call of every baptized faithful Catholic is to evangelize. So, we're going to unpack that and give you some tips and tricks on on how to actually evangelize in your everyday life. So, uh, my name is Nathan, and I'm here with Matt, and we are guest hosting live from St. Paul's Newman Center and Crux coffee on the the uh, corner of 12th and university right here in fargo and we'll be back right after this break thanks so much for being with us. live engaging and local this is real presence live where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the real presence radio network Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo Di Filippis of St. Luke Productions. Conversion and Obedience Faith requires conversion, and that conversion is an act of obedience toward a reality which precedes me and which does not originate from me. For Christians, this prior reality is not an it, but a he, or even better, a you. It is Christ, the Word made flesh. He is the new beginning of our thought. He is the new eye which bursts open the limits of subjectivity and the boundaries dividing subject from object, thus enabling me to say, it is no longer I who live. Conversion does not lead into a private relationship with Jesus, which in reality would be another form of mere monologue. This is the sole guarantee that the obedience which we owe to the truth is concrete. Only the concrete God can be something other than a new projection of one's own self. Following in Christ's footsteps is the only way of losing oneself which attains the desired goal. The one who became flesh has remained flesh. He is concrete. Obedience to the church is the concreteness of our obedience. The church is that new and greater subject in which past and present, subject and object come into contact. The church is our contemporaneity with Christ. There is no other. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter, and be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Uh, I'm your guest host, Matt, and I'm here with Nathan, and we're here with uh, Focus Missionaries at NDSU, Aaron and Fabiola. We're here at Crux Coffee at the St. Paul's Newman Center, right across the street from NDSU in the corner of University and 12. Um, we just got done with our first half of the interview here where we talked a little bit about evangelization and uh, um, the work that these Focus Missionaries are doing on the campus of NDSU. Um, but yeah, as we go forward, we want to talk about a, a few tips and, and things that you have for our listeners on how they can evangelize to, uh, to the people in their life. So what are some uh, best practices or tips for effective evangelization that you have in everyday lives? 
Well, I think the first part, as we had kind of mentioned before, it starts with the disposition of the heart. I think when people hear of evangelization, especially them doing it on their own, they think that they have to be equipped with certain tools or just come with all this like repertoire. But really, it's a disposition of the heart and the openness to allow the Lord to work in our hearts. And I think that begins by leaning on the sacraments, particularly prayer, having a prayer life. Um, within that prayer life and those encounters with the Lord is where He gets to just show his heart to you and when he shows his heart to you you just can't help but love the same things that he loves and and come alive for the same things that he comes alive for and that's souls so when you are in that moment of prayer you get to experience his heart he allows you to see that it starts to become your own reality and from that place you draw strength to then be able to go out and evangelize so it starts with prayer it starts with that personal encounter with the lord yeah and you look at some of the most effective saints that brought thousands of people to Christ and they weren't necessarily well-read, well-funded. You look look at the apostles, it's like they had no institutional church to rely on. They had no source of of funding or seminary formation or anything, but they were incredible evangelists uh, because I think, think, and I could be wrong on this, but I think a few reasons, because they they encountered, they really encountered the person of Jesus uh, and their lives were forever changed by that. And they were willing to be radical. They they lived, as we read in Matthew's Gospel, chapter six thirty three. They lived this verse to the highest degree possible. Some of these saints it says the verse says this: "But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all the things will be given to you besides." Mm-hmm. So like they they totally sought the kingdom first. They strove after holy lives, uh, and people followed, and people mm-hmm. people uh, were attracted to that. And a lot of these saints and the apostles, they were miracle workers too. And I think, I think that's kind of a something that we lose. Um, something that we think, oh, that's that's for the apostles. That's for these big name saints that they can call upon the Lord and He'll provide miracles. It's like, no, that's also for us. It's for the baptized faithful. It's like we just need to be like Peter uh, and ask to come out on the water and then be obedient when the Lord gives us a prompting to walk on that water. Mm-hmm. It's like, when's the last time we've asked for a miracle? Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think it's going back to that, this great image, and it's always stuck with me about iron getting placed in fire, right? Like hot burning coals. And, and what happens, and we've all had this experience, especially if you've been around kids around a, a campfire when they're roasting marshmallows, and inevitably they stick the hot poker in there until it turns what? red hot. It starts glowing, right? It takes on the properties, the heat of the fire. And so this, this piece of metal gets put into it. That's how we are when we go to prayer. Mm-hmm. We begin to glow and to burn with the love of Christ and, and become these vessels of grace that no matter where we go, he goes with us. And I think, you know, when you say seek first the kingdom of God, I think it starts in prayer, but then we get filled up in a certain way as we seek him and that wherever we go, there he is too. And, and that's where the miracles can happen. Because again, I don't do the miracle. He does the miracle. Um, do you guys, it can, it, does anything come to mind as far as things you've witnessed yourself, great stories or, or things that other missionaries have experienced where there was a huge miracle, like a breakthrough in someone's life and it, and it transformed them? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think like to piggyback off what you were just saying there, Nathan, um, there's just this fundamental truth that whoever you are, wherever you're at, um, when you're listening this morning, it's this truth that you are loved and that you are enough. And if you 
start with that that basic truth, that basic disposition, and believe it, and ask the Lord to reveal that in a more radical way to you. It's like you're going to be a phenomenal evangelist. You know, we we don't even need to to teach you all the the tips and tricks of the trade, if you will. You don't need to have these months of formation. Yeah, they're helpful, uh, and and it's great to be well formed and well read and absolutely but it's like you, first we need to know this truth that you are loved and that you are enough mm-hmm. there's a story though at, talking about profound moments uh i i was in rome uh, on a mission trip or on a pilgrimage mm-hmm. and there's this man outside of saint peter's basilica and i just knew i was supposed to go talk to him I never met him he was probably middle-aged and i was you know 20 21 at the time I just knew I was supposed to go talk to him. Was hesitant, and eventually I went up and talked to him. And I knew what I was supposed to say. Even I was supposed to tell him that <laughs> that Easter's real, that Jesus actually rose from the dead. Uh, but I was a little hesitant at the time. I didn't really believe that God could perform these miracles like this, and I thought I was psyching myself out. I went to. He went on to share with me. It's like I come to Rome. I'm from New York City. I was at 9/11. During 9/11, I saw the trade centers collapse, and I've been Catholic. But the one thing I, I have been hooked up on or held up on for years is if Jesus actually rose from the dead. And I was like, you have to be kidding me. Why did I not just tell him that in that moment? <laughs> I was like, and I, of course, after the fact, I was like, well, that, I have a word for you. Like, the Lord wanted me to go talk to you and tell you this thing. You know, like, he, he did. He did conquer death. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just such a good point that the Holy Spirit moving in us and it really just goes back to which I've seen in my own life and in the students lives we go back to this idea it's like not so much if you're equipped or anything like that but it's an openness and a disposition allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives lately you know with the season that we're in I just keep thinking about um, the apostles before and after the resurrection and Pentecost and I was watching right the Passion of Christ classic on Good Friday and this time when I was watching it I was just very attentive to the apostles and I just kept could not make sense in my mind how are these people who are so afraid right now that Peter would deny Jesus three times how do they then become the ones who evangelize the world and I just think back to the power of the Holy Spirit, like after Pentecost, um, how much they would be transformed. And we cannot, we're the ones who are the ones who are closed off to the Holy Spirit. It's, it's about an openness because the Lord can work through anybody and can do anything. Um, it's more of an openness and it's something that we have to practice. I've seen with the students, once they say yes to one thing, it just becomes easier and easier. Trust is not something that we were just necessarily born knowing how to do. Um, it's something that we practice and we practice by giving our fiat once and then again and then again and as many times as he asks. It's yeah. practice. And, and isn't that so true? It's, you know, it's St. Teresa's little way. Mm-hmm. It's it's doing those small things with great love. It's, can I do the ordinary things in my life and do them with and for Christ? And a momentum does start to build in a person's mm-hmm. life as more and more they give over to, uh, you can have more, Lord. Like you're asking, I, you, you can have this, you can have that. And, and it's always an amazing thing. What I've seen in my own life anyway is the more generous I am with him, the more he's able to be generous with me. And he's, because there's that great confidence, Lord, that you're leading me in the direction I need to go, then all of a sudden I find myself in a place where I'm great, you know, in greater joy 
than I could have imagined or manufactured for myself. Like he led me through a path that I would have never chosen. But that's the way of the Lord, is that as we follow him in his way and follow after him, all of a sudden we become that person who we're made to be. It's one of the many paradigms of of living a devout life and pursuing Christ is yeah he promises us, us he promises us the cross and mm. he will definitely provide that but he also promises us a life of of beautiful joy and peace and in that in the crosses in in the rawness of discipleship he always provides yeah this beauty yeah. of a walk with him yeah I, what comes to mind is is Saint Mother Teresa's face you know like this it just you know, her body was just sort of worn out with the, the work of love she was doing, yet her face was lit up with such great joy. Mm. And I think it's just such a, a, a modern icon for all of us because so many of us uh, and, and those listening today have probably watched her life, you know, in, in terms of television appearances and things like that. And so we've had access to this process in one of the church's greatest saints that's ever lived, uh, that, that we've been able to see this with our own eyes, what this can look like. And she suffered. She suffered suffered interior darkness. She suffered physical discomforts and even her foot, if you look at a picture of her foot, was twisted and warped. And I mean, what kind of pain came with that? You would have never known it if you looked at her face, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, a, it's just an amazing thing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Fabiola, I love that you bring up St. Peter and just how he, uh, you see in the Gospels, how he denied Jesus three times could be just because of fear of, of what people would think, what, what people would do to him. Um, just Real quick, I guess, before we go to break, would you guys, what kind of words of encouragement would you have for students? Because I know myself, when I was first starting um, to look more into my faith and wanting to share it more, I was, I was very um, scared of the judgment I might get from my friends, of, uh, especially my friends who don't know Christ like I do. I'm like, what are they going to think of me when I start telling them about Jesus? I'm going to be one of those weird missionaries they talk about, or what am I going to be? But what are your words of encouragement to students who are feeling like that? And what, what would you have to counteract that? Just do it. Yeah. The stereotypes are far worse than the reality. Um, uh, yeah, it's been my experience. It's been plenty of other people we've worked with. Their experience too is we're so crippled by this fear, and the fear is not of the Lord. And the Lord wants to give us this joy, this peace. And just like Nate was saying there, if we take these steps of faith, He's going to provide us more joy, more peace. Uh, and sure, yeah, we will come with its challenges and, and its setbacks and persecutions. But there's always going to be this, this level of joy and peace when we take steps of faith in, in following him. Yeah. yeah, I would say as well, in my own personal life, I used to think that the virtue of fortitude was the absence of fear. But really, it is choosing the Lord and choosing something else that's more important over the fear. And so for the students or anybody else who's out there who's listening, that's always a big barrier for people, the fear. But I would say, first acknowledge that you have it, because then you allow yourself to wrestle with it, and you can then bring it to the Lord, and He gets to then dispel it. But acknowledge that you have the fear, and be so compelled in Christ, and the gospel, and the good news, that you end up realizing the souls in front of you are so much more important than this temporary fear that you have. This soul that their salvation, their entire lives could be changed. This love and the thirst that the Christ has for their souls will forever be more important than any anxiety that you have, or your pride, or any humiliation. So do it because these are things that are worth it for the apostles and for us these are things worth dying for yeah absolutely but yeah i want to thank you guys so much for being on um for our last segment we'll have two students from the newman center coming on to talk about just the impact that they've had in their life um i'm matt o'reilly we're here with uh, nate carr my co-host and yeah thanks for being in real presence live
This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 